Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Sunday. If you're here with us in person, why don't you stand and join us? We're going to worship together.
Sure, so good to be here with you today on Celebration Sunday. This is a day where we just take some time and really look back over the past year and just take time and space to acknowledge the way that God has moved through the power of the Holy Spirit in our midst, in our community, and around the world. So with that, let's just take some time and start our morning with some worship, centering our hearts on what God has for us today. Let's worship together.
excited to be in the Father's house today. Give him some praise. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Let's continue to lift our song to him today.
church, um, the, the, the early followers of God, the Israelites in the Old Testament, we're told uh, by the Bible when they would march into battle, they actually had the worshipers lead the army. They were out front, the worshipers. They weren't fighting with swords and spears. They were fighting with their voices and with their instruments. And I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're in a place of celebration. This is Celebration Sunday. But even if you're in a place of struggle, I've got a word of encouragement for you today. Just bring your, play, bring your praise to the Lord today. Let this be a place where you acknowledge him, where you give him your life, where you surrender fully and watch what he will do today in this place. Because I believe that we serve a God of resurrection. We serve a God of new life. We serve a God who brings dead things to life. And so let's just raise a song again in this place. We're gonna sing that last bit. And let's really just sing it out and acknowledge that the God of resurrection wants to meet us today. Let's sing out together. Jesus, we raise a song to you. Oh, I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. continue to pray as we thank our God. Come on, church. God, we look to you today, and the first words out of our mouths are thank you. Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you aren't a God who's far off, but that you are a God who's incredibly close, that, that you come running for us, that we don't have to go find you, that you're already on a mission to seek and to save us. And so, God, we are so thankful today. We're so thankful for everything that you've done in our lives. And we do pray that, that you would come and be with us, that, that every single person under the sound of my voice, whatever room that we're in, that, that we would be changed from having spent time in your presence. And, God, we don't just pray for ourselves. We pray for your body. We pray for the church, the, the, the institution that you set up to go be your hands and feet, to carry out your mission and to bring your kingdom from heaven earth. God, we pray for, for churches and communities like um, Coastal Community Church in our, in our, here in our area. God, we just pray that your blessing would be upon them, that your hand would be with them. God, that you would, your favor would continue to shower over them, that you would continue to help them um, move your mission forward in this community. We also pray for dear friends, the, the Reynolds who are um, in Thailand, missionaries in Thailand. And God, we just pray that you would be with them, that you would continue to strengthen the local church there, that your Holy Spirit would send them out to go and preach the good news to maybe people who have never heard it before. 
And God, we just pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds for the word that you have for us today. We promise to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Well, if you're here in Spring Lake, you can take a seat. Carter said it, it is Celebration Sunday today. We are celebrating as a church everything that God has done over the last year. Our church year runs from, from um, June to May, and so we are going to take a, a moment to look back this year at all that God has done, so you picked a great day to be in church. Today is also, um, we're going to celebrate with good food um, people, you would not believe how many hot dogs people ate before 10 a.m. It was incredible. They were just flying off the table. We have some good things, both um, in our uh, upstairs lobby and our kids' lobby downstairs. We have a bunch of yard games set up in West 200, which is a room um, to my right, your left. We're just going to um, take some time just to have fun and be with each other today. So we'll have that as you leave. Um, today's also the kickoff for our summer semester of groups. That Our groups kick off our summer semester is half the length of our fall and spring semester. And it is designed for us to do some fun things together, to build some new friendships, to meet some new people. So I would just encourage you, go to allshores.org slash groups. Find the group that's right for you. There's a table in the lobby that if you need help getting connected, we can do that today. But we're just excited to be together this is also the time in the service where we give back to God. And we see it as an act of worship, the, uh, as an act of offering, where because God has given us so much that we are giving this back to him. And the ways to give should be on the screen behind me. There are also boxes in all of our lobbies on the wall, hanging on the wall. But I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your continued steadfast giving. That God is using our church. He's using the funds that come through this church both to make a difference here and around the world. Well, we have a great rest of the service planned for you today. So excited for us to experience it together. Why don't you turn your eyes to the screen for what comes next? is not static. It is a constantly moving current pulling you towards the arms of Jesus, washing us clean of the stains of our mess, easing the weight of our past disappointments. We will rise out of the water made new, and those that see will know we've been with Jesus. We are called to bless those around us, to raise up the new generation of the church, 
to go outside the limits of the church building into the community and share the promise of Jesus. Well, I want to welcome those joining us online. I always at the 11 o'clock hour uh, at 9, we are welcoming Muskegon and Coopersville because the service is at 1030. So they're going right now. Like part of us are going in both places. But we want to welcome you here in Spring Lake as well uh, on a day that we really will look back at our own year. But look even more in the context of the church uh, because Pentecost, which is a day we celebrate today, has meaning in that. And I'll... Get at that in a few minutes. I want to invite you where you are, whether online or with us, to simply close your eyes and ask God to speak to you. That we don't believe it's about information or persuasion. We really believe God reveals himself to us. And whether you're doubting, struggling, skeptical, whether you're on team, whether you're, it's going well or difficult, just be honest with God. Ask him to meet you, to speak to you, and then I'll pray for us together. God, in a uh, highly chaotic, um, overstimulated life that we're all in, oh, I pray there'd be a sense of peace even as we open the scripture, as we slow down, as we listen. God, I ask we can look back honestly and enjoy the things you're doing and look ahead, asking you to continue to move, to meet us uniquely. I pray for those among us, Lord, that would be searching or skeptical that you would break through the questions and the concerns and the, even the pain, maybe that's there. For those of us where we're just kind of, it's, a, it's another thing we do, I pray you'd awaken us. And for those where you are working and we're experiencing it, may we enjoy that and grow deeper in you. Lord, I'm asking that anything I have to say that's not from you, it will fall to the ground, it will be forgotten. But I also ask, Lord, that whatever is from you, that you'd breathe into us and make no mistake that you'd move and transform and guide. I pray this in your name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. So one of the unique things that I experienced, though, I would bet many of you can have this too and maybe even be at both ends of this, is when you meet people and you tell them what you do, a lot of times, and you're a pastor, a lot of times they have questions and I'm a place to ask them. So they ask a lot of their questions related to faith. And what's wild is I get this question often, the one I'm about to tell you, but I think that Christians often have it too. We just, have you ever seen this with, with the church? We often think, oh, I'm not supposed to have a question or have doubts, so I'll just pretend like I don't. And so I think it's a question that can help all of us and one that many of us have asked, which is very simply this. You know, we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, so why did he leave? Why didn't he just stay? and reveal himself that way? Why didn't he just walk the earth and keep doing that? It's a great question. And, and there are lots of answers to it. And we're only going to look at one specifically today because of the day it is. Because Pentecost gives some reason to this, what this day means. And we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, but I think it's important for us to ask the question, why did he and what's that mean for us now? 
And what I'm going to do for us to answer this is look particularly at one of his 12 disciples, Peter, is the one we're going to look at. And not because Peter is special or unique from any of us, but because we can all relate to a guy like Pete. I particularly can because it's my name, so that even does it more. But well beyond that, we all can. So in case you're not aware, within the Bible, within the scriptures, there are four accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Four witnesses, we would say, to it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I want to be really clear. They tell the stories in different orders and ways, not because they necessarily, like they're arguing about when things happened. It's more how they're shaping the whole story, which we all do when we witness something. We tell it a little differently. And I only tell you that because we're going to look first at John's account and his first engagement with Peter, and we're going to see it occurs a little differently, but I want you to get the message underneath it because that's what matters. So we're in John's account first, and this is early in John's telling of the story, and in his recollection of this, Andrew has already come to discover Jesus, and we're taking it up in chapter 1 where Andrew wants others to know. So it says the first thing Andrew did, this is after he finds who Jesus is and the uniqueness of him, is he finds his brother. <laughs> Isn't that great? Hey, you gotta go to, I got to go tell my brother, Simon. It says, we found the Messiah. In other words, everything and everyone we've been waiting for for hundreds of years through our exile, through our isolation, through all this mess. And don't, make no mistake, they're back in the land they were promised, but with no benefit of it. They're, it's like being there but not being there. And so here's Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, meaning Simon. And he says, Simon, you're Simon, son of John. He's kind of reciting his name. There's more to that, but it doesn't matter for today. From now on, you will be called Cephas, which translated means Peter. Which, by the way, I'd like you all to refer to me as Cephas from now on. Not really, I just, I love it. Okay, Cephas, thanks, man, appreciate it. I love it. Now, what's significant in the renaming of him is from John's understanding, Jesus is declaring something new over who Simon was from who he will be. Now, in case you don't know, Peter itself means rock. It's one of the ways we understand this is Simon himself was a very impulsive kind of verbal vomit, say whatever you think, do whatever you want, all the time kind of guy. And even Jesus' declaration is saying, God is doing something in you to change this. That's what I want us to start with, is one of the beauties when Jesus comes is I wouldn't say he sees us differently. He sees us as he actually made us and as we are, and he speaks that into our lives. Like, Peter's not unique and special for many of you. Jesus is looking at all of you, and he sees who he actually made you to be and sees who you can be in him. And so what he's speaking over Peter, he speaks over all of us. Now, I'm not promising you get a new name, but I am promising that God cares deeply and sees you as you really are and has a great heart to watch that come to be. Now, if you don't get anything else of this, do not read Scripture and go, oh, well, he's special, I'm nobody, or I'm somebody and they're nobody. You can take it either way. What you need to understand is God sees and loves every single one of you. You have a new identity in him. You have a new identity. You do, you do, you do, I do, we all do. Come on. That is one of the lies we don't believe. And it's so tragic to me that we diminish and accelerate different people depending on how we view and don't see how incredibly cherished each one is from God. It is no mistake that Jesus chose disciples that were a mess. <laughs> It isn't because he said, oh, I need the ones that are high functioning. It's because oftentimes those who perform well and do well 
think it's up to them and think they can do it on their own. And those who are broken actually know we need God. I always love when it says, oh, it just sounds like a crutch. I'm like, dude, I'll take a wheelchair, a crutch, a power operator, whatever it is. I need help. I'm okay. Like, I realize I have limitations and they're significant. And so we're starting there. Now, I want to just tell you a little about Matthew who tells the same story of Jesus changing name, but it's told a little differently and in a little different place. The same thing happens, but he's couching it a little differently. So in Matthew's account, all these disciples have been with him for a while, and it comes to a very defining moment in Matthew's gospel when the name is changed. In Matthew's account, he's with these disciples, and he asks them a question in a really, kind of a really difficult space. It's an area that's pretty paganistic. It's a messy place. It's a place you would not expect to be doing your major work if you were trying to hide out and build them up. Now, remember, he's training and he's working with these young guys to be his disciples, to follow and be like him. And he says to all of them, hey, who do you guys, who, who do people say that I am? As people are seeing what I'm doing, in other words, he's healing people, he's doing a lot of things that Scripture talked about. Who do all of you see? Who do people, not you guys, but the other people say I am? Now, guess who the first responder is to that question? Vomit, verbal vomit Pete. Because... Pete says what he thinks the moment he thinks it, the way he thinks it. And he goes, oh, well, people say you're a prophet, and they say you're, and maybe he's a spokesman, but he's always clearly an external processor. He's going to say whatever he thinks the moment it happens. And, and Jesus, he understands that, and he says, but who do you say I am? And at this moment, Simon says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, it's the first time in Matthew's account Jesus is seen by others to be Literally, the Son of God and the role he's come in in its fullness. And he responds to Peter by saying, you have had this revelation from the Father himself, not from people. In other words, God revealed to you who I am, the Father did. And then he tells him, and by the way, you're going to have a new name, it's Pete. And he goes on to tell him the role he's going to play in life of the church and what he's going to do, which is crazy as an aside note because it's in a very messed up culture that he tells them the church is going to be built, <laughs> which I just love. Jesus doesn't go to the place where it's all nice, I better build it. Build. He goes to the place that's a mess and goes, hey, by the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my church. It's going to change the world and I'm going to take you to the worst place you'd think it happened and that's where it's going to go on. But the big part is Peter gets told he's going to be a new dude. Now, would you not enjoy new identity? I would. It's kind of tough when your name's already Pete. Peter, I'm going to name you, am I repeat? What is, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> So this is a big moment for Peter. He has now been told, I have a new destiny and a new beauty for you. Now, the, the wild part about Matthew's account is what follows is not Pete's finest moments. But he's been told everything's going to change. In fact, I would say that Peter really simply goes from himself to Mr. Bean. <laughs> Those eyes say a lot, don't they? Just the eyes. Now, I, I am just curious how many of you are old enough to even know who Mr. Bean is, so I'm, I'm clear. Okay, many of you do. Some of you are like, I don't, why would somebody be named after a bean? Isn't that Jack and the Beanstalk? So this is Rowan Atkinson, and there was a show, I think it was in the mid-2000s uh, and, and even before that, that he did where he was a character called Mr. Bean. And basically, Mr. Bean, everything he did was an embarrassment, and it just kind of built on itself, one embarrassment after another. And, and it, if you're like me, I do not like to watch people be embarrassed. So I actually hated this show because I just get, I, like, I sweat. And then my wife will turn to me and go, you know it's not real. It feels real. I see enough embarrassment in reality of life. I watch TV to enjoy, not to get more sweat. 
But Mr. Bean is just one embarrassing act after another. And the reason I tell you this is literally for the rest of Matthew's account, Peter should just be renamed Mr. Bean. It is like one mess after another. Right after this moment, right after, literally, the next part of Matthew's telling, he goes, and Jesus tells him he's going to suffer and die. And guess what Peter says? No, I will stop this. I'm a rock. You're not going to have this happen. And Jesus very lovingly says, you are the devil. Shut your mouth. That, not a not fine moment, is it? Embarrassing? You get it? He's embarrassed. Now, keep going through Matthew. It just, the embarrassment just keeps piling on. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up, up to a mountain with him, the, kind of his inner three, and then has this revelation with just the three being around, Pete's part of it, where he basically becomes glorified. He, you see him as he will be once he rises. And Moses, basically, Moses and the prophet... Elijah show up too. So there's three of them. Now, do you think Peter would just sit there and go, wow, I don't know what to do? Nope. Peter vomits again. Hey, we should build three tabernacles for the three of you. Now, the father, knowing that's the wrong answer, Pete, basically says, this is my son, zip it. Again, I wish he had zip it back then. Hey, zip it. When a problem comes along, you must zip it. That's what he wants to say. <laughs> just be quiet. So, again, embarrassment, right? No, it continues on. This is not the end of it. Pete's going to just keep going about this. He's on a trend. Hey, maybe I can do a little more, Mr. Bean. We get to a place now where they're going to be in Jerusalem. They're going to have more things happen. And Peter, Jesus is going to warn him, listen, Peter, you're going to be sifted and you're going to deny me three times. And then Peter again says, never. I'm the rock. Won't happen. I've been trained by you. This is the way I'm going to live. Right after that, <laughs> Jesus takes him with a couple other guys to go pray. He says, listen, you need to stay and pray Go after God. Ask the Father to help you because you're going to be tempted. It's going to be hard. He told him you're going to fail. You need to be praying for temp. In the midst of it, guess what Peter does? It's time to take a nap. He and his brothers all fall asleep. And again, Jesus comes out and goes, come on. And he's kind about it. Like the flesh is weak. You want to do this. Your spirit does, but your flesh is too weak. And he basically has to wake him up. And Pete's embarrassed again. And if that's not enough, now remember he told him, don't try to stop my suffering. Right? We're clear. That's when he called him the devil. Not soon after that, very soon after this moment, this whole group comes to basically take Jesus to his suffering. And guess what Peter does in his incredible maturation? He pulls out a sword and lops off the ear of one of the dudes trying to take Jesus. Did that follow what Jesus told him earlier when he told him he was Satan? Not at all. Now what I love is Jesus picks up the ear, pops it back on, and it supernaturally heals to the dude it got cut off of. I hate when we run past it like, well, that's a nice story. That is not a nice story. That is a supernatural crazy event. You get it? And by the way, you, you wonder how Jesus is. It's not like he's even chastising Peter. He's restoring what's broken out of Peter's mess and response poorly. But again, Peter blew it. And it will reach its culmination when after Jesus is taken away to be crucified, Peter will indeed deny him three times. Peter was with Jesus the whole time trained by him. You see, this is going to get at a little bit. I'm gonna, we're going to come back to it. But why, I believe, part of why Jesus goes to be with the Father. It isn't just training Peter needed. And it wasn't even just Jesus being there Peter needed. He had everything you could want. And he still wasn't being changed the way God intended for him. Do you see that? So it takes us up then to what happens next which in the resurrection, we have two things that the church celebrates 
And, and I'll just describe to you this way, the ascension of Jesus and Pentecost. And if you think of it this way, the ascension of Jesus is him going up, and Pentecost is the Holy Spirit coming to us. So I want to explain it, and then we're going to look at why I think it's different, and one of the reasons Jesus goes and the Spirit comes. So in Luke's account, which we, is what I've been walking you through in some of this, it tells us that Jesus is with his brothers after his resurrection. And Peter's been restored, by the way, at this time. So he's been blessed and been kind of entering back in. But he still hasn't been changed, right? He's still Peter. He's still struggling. He's Peter who lives like Simon. He's Peter, I mean, he's Peter, the kind of the impulsive, reactive guy. Any of you impulsive, reactive? Have I am. So I, I relate very strongly to it. Um, so basically, Jesus, it tells us at the end of Luke that Jesus is with, with them, and he's telling them that he's going to send the Spirit. And then it says he raised his hands to bless them, and when he did, he starts going up, floating up to heaven. <sighs> I'm sorry. You got a grid for that one? Because I don't. Like, was there something they were smoking or eating? Like, how did they even, that's just crazy. And one of the things we miss, which is just a side note, is Jesus is still in his physical body that's glorified. We think Jesus kind of drops his flesh and goes, that's not true. Jesus is still in his fully glorified human body. Like, he, he changed his, basically, who he was in containing himself this way for us. So he goes to be in heaven. He's floating up, basically, and they're all left without him there. What do you guys think? I mean, he was here to train us. He was to do all this, and he's gone. That would freak me out. Would it not freak you out? And he says, I'm going to send the Spirit, and that's what I mean. So Jesus leaves, and he's saying, there's something more I have from you. It's not just me being with you. It's not just me training you and helping you grow in this. There's something more. So let me take you to Acts, and what happens? Jesus goes up. The Spirit comes down. The Spirit lives in a new way. This is what it tells us in Acts, which is after Jesus has ascended. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. He, they were all told to wait in Jerusalem for the filling and the coming of the Spirit. Then all of them, all of them, all of them, everyone, were filled with the Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So while tongues is very important, it's not central to what we're looking at right now, which is where did the Spirit change his address to? inside of them, right? The Spirit now lives in these early believers. And what will happen at Pentecost is the Spirit will basically fill 3,000 other people who've come from all over the world to Jerusalem for this feast, and they're going to go back in order to bring who God is to these other places. That's literally, tell me that's not an amazing strategy. But what I want you to understand is now the difference is Peter's not just being trained by Jesus. The Spirit came to fill him with Jesus, not to train, but to transform him. In other words, you want to know one of the reasons Jesus leaves to be with the Father and gives us a spirit is it's not just about being forgiven. It's about being transformed. And we need him in us to transform us, not just to be trained by us around us. Whew. I need to, amen. Yeah, that's right. I'll have enough excitement for all of us. But you realize that is crazy cool. So let me just give you two simple little pictures of Peter, the difference after he's filled now after Pentecost. Now, we could even just take the story of right after Pentecost because he's the one that basically gets up and gives about a 30-second message and 3,000 people respond. That is some serious preaching right there. All he basically does is, listen, you guys missed it. Jesus died. He rose again. Let me show you all the ways this happened. And would you like him? They're like, yes. 
fire goes everywhere, and they're like, whoa, we're not just being trained by, we're being transformed from, this is crazy, crazy cool. That's what happens in that moment. Now, let me take you ahead just to hear the difference. Remember, Peter is impulsive. Peter's about himself, and he's trying to make himself be the center and look good. We get just a little bit further into Acts, and Peter and John are heading to the temple during the prayer times. They pray at different times of the day. They come across a guy who is basically crippled. And if you've been around, we've told this particular story before, which is that the guy asks for money, which is very Jewish, that people help the poor. That's what they're supposed to do. That's considered their righteous acts. And Peter instead says, hey, I don't have anything for you, but get up. <laughs> you've never walked your whole life. Get up. And the dude gets up, he goes from walking to dancing, and crazy cool stuff happens. Now, what do you think all the people around do? Peter, you are special. We, we can't, they start cheering Peter on and what he's done because he's the one with which God moved. And you know what Peter's response is? Stop it. Don't you dare. How could you confuse some person who's just being filled with Jesus because it's him and it's through him this happened? Jesus I mean, Peter is now basically jealous for everything with Jesus, and his own identity has shifted. And that, that firmness and stability he brings is because he really gets who Jesus is through the spirits living in him, not just through being near him. Do you see the difference? Let me give you one that's a humble time for Peter, because in the early church, they thought it was just for the Jews. They figured, listen, the Jews are the ones that live according to God. They're going to keep following all the rules and the dietary laws, and they're trying to reach the Jews. That's their job. And the Gentiles out, you know, whatever, they're kind of dogs, doesn't matter. So Peter's got it wrong, and the whole church does at this point in time. And he's having one of his times of prayer, and he has a vision that basically Jesus shakes up how negatively they're viewing the Gentiles. It's basically about how they eat, what they eat, not how they eat, but what they eat. And, and God's showing him that you got it wrong. All this stuff is good, and it's fine. So Peter comes out of it, and that's still not enough. A guy who's a Gentile comes there. There's a whole supernatural encounter with him. But what leads to is Jews and Gentiles are together, which already violates things. Because in Peter's humility, in being transformed by the Spirit, he's starting to realize, maybe I don't have this right. And all these other people come around, and he basically tells the story of what happens. And the Spirit falls on them, but it falls on all the Gentiles. And Peter goes, hey, do you realize the Gentiles are full of the Spirit? I think we got this wrong. You know why Peter sees it differently? Because he's been transformed by the Spirit not just trained in proximity to Jesus, but the Spirit is changing him from the inside out. Isn't that amazing? The part that I, I both love and hate is that's available and desired from God to us, and I don't think we believe it. I think we think it's for a select few, or we tell ourselves, you know, that was the, that was the Old Testament. That was the New Testament. That was when the church first started. It doesn't need it anymore. God kind of shut that chapter, which is a really poor understanding of it. And the reality is you and I are so self-reliant, we don't think we need it oftentimes, but we also don't think we're worthy of it. And so the simple thing I want us to understand as we look back at the year and as we look ahead is this. The Spirit transforms us. We're not just trained by, we're not trying. The Spirit actually in power transforms us from the inside out. And if you think you are either unworthy or that you're up to yourself to do it or you've changed it to, well, if I just work hard and I use the skills I have, you are missing out on what is a new kind of dependence and filling where the Lord leads us and transforms us from the inside out. Pretty cool, right? So what I want is for us to take this today and consider it. 
And, and I want to go back a little bit and kind of look back over our last year, just, just kind of sharing with you at least my perspective on what I would say I think God's been doing, and maybe at least giving us a little bit of a picture of how I see the Spirit has been moving. And, and let me say it to you this way. One of the ways that we get more confident of this is when we tell each other what we, what's happening. In other words, when I hear from you how the Spirit's moving in your life, it kind of ignites the fire in me too. And even the way we read Peter's story is inadequate because we probably read it and go, look what Peter did. Do you know that there were a bunch of people filled with the Spirit at that time? And, and the rest of them were praying for Peter, undergirding everything that was happening for God to move through him and others. In other words, they all had a stake in this. And part of the reason we get to see the change that happens is because the community's changing, not because Peter's unique and he just did it right. There, there's a moment when Peter is in jail and they're praying that he'll still live. And God moves supernaturally. It's not because he went, oh, you know, Peter's been pretty close to me and transformed. I think I'll do this. It's because the church, ignited by the Spirit, was crying out for God to do something. In other words, it's not just about an individual. It's about us collectively. You, you, I want you to get this because we live in a culture that's all me and it's individualistic. That is not the way of God. He's starting fires all over the place. And you know what happens when one fire gets near another fire? It gets hotter. You realize that, right? It gets hotter. So you want to know how the church becomes more on fire? It's because God's moving and moving together in us, not just in our own little environment. And I don't want us to miss. This is part of what, what Peter and what this story is telling us. So I, with this in mind, I want to look back and at least tell you my perspective, what I think God's been doing, and even the leadership we've been processing this together. So it's not me alone. And, and I want to frame it just this way to begin. If I think of this last year, if I go from June 1st to today... A year ago, we were just trying to come back. I mean, we'd had ups and downs, but, you know, we'd all been so isolated. So it occurred to me, I think a year ago, I think we were living in a lot of isolation. And, and I want to be really clear because this was a prayer we sensed from the Lord that we continue to pray. We were not asking God to just restore what had been. And this is not true just of us. I think the church universally, and especially the church in our region, in our country, has been saying God's disrupting us for a reason. There's something new he's doing. So we've been asking, what do you want to do differently, not what do we just continue on? And I want to be really clear, what we have been praying for is God to do whatever new thing he wants to do. And we think that's starting to happen. So I want to tell you from a little bit of that what we want to celebrate and hopefully encourage you in the work of the Spirit that we're saying we're giving testimony the Spirit's working. And I want to begin it this way, at least for one of the things that was starting in us before all of this chaos hit, um, and I want to tell it to you this way, as we've, you know, been serving in recent years, one of the struggles we've had, we, we are, in terms of churches around the country, we'd be a larger church. I mean, there's certainly bigger ones, but the average church. Larger churches tend to do a lot of things that we do programmatically, meaning we offer systems and programs because we have more people. We can't just do it relationally, one-on-one, -on -one, on any of that. One of the things we began to wrestle with was that oftentimes you can run a program well and even just do things well and you get results. But it doesn't necessarily mean the spirit's moving. It also doesn't necessarily mean the people leading it are buying it. So one of the things that we began to hear that was different collectively was we want to lead this before, live it before we lead it. In other words, we don't want to do programs. So something as simple as this, we want you guys to engage in connection to Jesus we don't build a program for that. We live it. 
and then things come out of that. We've said it this way, I want to live it, I want to influence it, I want to help others discover it, and then we want to program out of it. It was a change for us. So a lot of our focus at a leadership level has been how do we start to live the very things we're asking everybody else to do? And are we really doing it? Which, by the way, means that you're honest, in case you don't know. It's one of the things, I don't know if you realize this in the church, but you get around church people. So I'll show you the first one and I'll explain what I mean. The first one we want to talk about is just being with Jesus. So when we say we want to learn to be people that have been with Jesus, which in case you haven't been around, we would say in our vision is that we long to become people that others say we've been with Jesus. And from being with him, we bring his heart, his compassion, his supernatural and natural power to bring love in his kingdom to people around us. Very simply, we're with him and from that we minister. That's the simple idea. Now, I can say to all of our team, spending time with God, and many of them can just say, you bet I am, I am. And some of them will be in terms of their reading, they're doing the activity of it. But you realize if I ask that and I don't ask how are you connecting to him and how are you growing in that, I've missed a huge question because it's an activity you cannot get the result from. And also, do you know that all of us feel embarrassed when we're not doing it? And so we either lie or we exaggerate. Many of us do. And if you're churched, you're, oh, of course, yeah, of course I am. I did that. And so two things have to happen. One is you have to be honest about what activities you're doing. The second is you have to be honest of whether it's actually helping or not. So one of the things we started doing was saying, I want to know, is this really helping you to even want to do this? Because if one of us doesn't want to do it, that's a different intervention to ask God to speak than I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to hear him. I don't even have a desire to. And where we start is just asking God to help us get desire. I want you to understand is we saw God move because we got honest. And then we saw God move because we started asking, how to, what are the barriers for you to hear from him? So, so I'll give you a few examples. I have some in our leadership circle that they've grown up in the church. They're, they've been trained to read scripture. And, but the way they read it is like God's disappointed with them. And every reading is another finger pointing. So you're not doing this well enough. You're not doing that well enough. You need to try harder. You need to do more. Now, that's not the voice of God, in case you know. I don't mean that God doesn't want to encourage us, but it's not the way he speaks. So that's a barrier to overcome. Other people have barriers like, I'm exhausted. I don't have any time. Other people go, I've never heard God when I've read the scripture. What does that even look like? And you want to know how that changes? It changes when we honestly do it both alone and together. So I have two discipleship groups I lead, two groups of three guys. And each one, we talk honestly you sense anything from this? Are you not sensing it? But you know what? All of the guys are influencing each other as they're, I think God said this. I think this went on. What I'm telling you is we watch people begin to be changed that you can't attribute to other than guess what? The Spirit's meeting and transforming them. Come on. That's amazing. And what I want you to know is this is happening. Now it's happening, I can tell you for sure, in the circles that we're walking in, but we're seeing it happen more broadly in the church. So let me I'm going to ask you just to respond this way. And I want to say this from the beginning. If you're not doing any of these things, I am not trying to call you out at all. But for those that are, I want us to celebrate that you're, you're making effort. So if you'd say in this last year, I have been growing and learning to be with Jesus and even experience that. I just want you to stand up. Just stand up. That You know what? I've, I've grown in this some this year. Yeah. So stay, stay standing for a minute. And, I, and those of you who are not... There's lots of reasons not. I'm not I, I appreciate that you don't stand if it's not. I want you to be encouraged because guess what? Every person here 
is meant to bring God's presence everywhere they go. And if we're growing in this, we're building the foundation to actually bring who he is to people around us, right? So do you think there's some fire going on here? Oh, yeah. And what we pray is more, Lord. So you guys can have a seat. And I will tell you again, when you don't and you're not at that place, I am so thankful for honesty. And it may be for you who aren't standing that you go, I don't even know if I have a desire for it. It might be I have blocks for it. Whatever it is, don't sit alone in it. We just want you to continue to suffer. But keep watching around because if you see fires other places, we think you'll want more of it. This is the foundation. Let me tell you another one. We'd say that being together has restored, and I would tell you it has a new height in that I think all of us have learned through all of our isolation that we need community, don't we? Have we all realized, oh my goodness, this isn't like I just need activity. I actually need connection that God made me for this. We have a lot more groups that are coming, almost 50 groups of people that got together. Our, our students, who this was probably the hardest on students and children, this whole isolation, because even when students had connection, it was virtual. And we've, we've seen over 180 of our students come back and get engaged in the life of the church because they need connection. We've watched kids, I think we're almost at 400 different kids who've shown up because these kids have been living in isolation. Tell me that's not a work of God to see people restore and return. It is. And people have never been here. One of the things we've celebrated so much are people that had just kind of drifted and they're like, man, I... I want this in my life. I go, that's a move of God, and we say more. We're celebrating how God's moving and being together. Let me give you another one. Serving. Uh, and what I mean by this, imagine when you're doing everything online, you don't need that many people to serve. You do need specific ones to do it. But all of a sudden, we start coming back, and we need all these servants to help us. And not just help us to accommodate a program to invest in the lives of people that's what we do when we serve, by the way, is we are investing in other people with the things and the ways God's gifted us. And I'm going to ask you again, any of you who serve in any way inside the church, I just want you to stand for a minute. Just to stand. Yeah. And, I want to, and I want to celebrate in a couple of things. One is, let's all agree it was hard to jump back in because we were a little afraid to put ourselves in proximity. But what I want you to understand is this is part of Jesus transforming us. You see... Paul tells us that he, God gives us gifts and gives us abilities and the way we're built up, in other words, the way we build our spiritual muscles and the way we're transformed is as we serve each other. In other words, all of you doing this are helping us to become more of who Jesus made us to be. We're not, oh, well, I was there to greet and I was there to, no, no, this is part of transforming people. You can go ahead and have a seat. And, and to others of you, if you've never served, if you're not doing it now, I only want to encourage it because this is partly for you. We certainly have aspects and needs, but your opportunity to be used of God, both to minister to others and to be ministered to, that's part of the transforming work of the Spirit. And it doesn't happen if we don't serve together and serve each other. And so I'm grateful for all of you that do it. And it's crazy. I talk to a lot of people that visit. I'll try to check in and see what it's like for people. And one of the first things I always hear is how welcoming people are. You know why that is? Because a bunch of you serve in welcoming people. Like, you don't even realize it. Do you know when someone comes through a door here, they might be thinking, I haven't been in a church in 20 years. I have no idea what it's like. And they may feel judged the moment they get here. And they see you embrace and encourage and have them be part of it. It's much bigger than you know it is. And that doesn't even get to those of you who are in our kids' area. Week after week, you are becoming a solid face and connection for our kids 
that helped them feel safe and loved and cherished. Our students, the life of our students was so much upheaval to know there are adults that are there that care about them and are on their team. And Do you realize how important that is? I would like a youth leader for me personally. Like, oh my goodness, how important this is in the life of this next generation. It's a message for another day, but somewhere I want to talk about spiritual mothering and fathering because I think that we are in a deep need of this. Let me just talk to you about giving for a minute. And, you know, I realize that we have, we have some great things in the church and great things that go on just in general in giving. But this year we watched things that we couldn't really point to and go, why? You, you know, every year we do an offering at Christmas uh, and we get anywhere from 60,000. At a high year we've had about 90. And in no way did we have the highest number or even near the highest number of people just given what the year has been. Yet somehow, you guys gave $112,000 that, that day. I'm sorry, that's a work of God. It is. And make no mistake, I'm not cheering you on because you make lots of money and you're generous. I'm cheering you on because what happens is you go, God, whatever you give me is yours and you're who I trust. See, generosity is born out of a confidence and a trust that I just get to give back because of what you do. That's powerful. You do the same thing. You know, you know that we're the number one giving church in our entire denomination for global giving, and we're not even close to the biggest church by any means. You realize that doesn't add up, right? That is because God's doing something to transform us that started a lot of years ago, but he's building on it. I always laugh every time Thad comes to me with another individual or couple that's ready to go on the field, and I'm like, that is amazingly great. I sure hope you find a way to fund it. Because we have so many people going. Like, we have more people going than some of the universities and districts do out of one church. So do you think God's doing something? You bet he is. I'm telling you, the generosity. And even when we finally did tell you, because we give away about 30% of what we get in. And we, we've been behind of late. And we, we struggle to tell you because we don't want to emphasize us. But when we did, you're starting to respond. And we need you to keep. But I'm going, that's been beautiful to watch that. Let me take you to just the, this final thing, which is the idea of being deployed. We tell you all the time that you're meant to be deployed on mission. And it very simply is that God's made every one of you to reach people no one will reach in ways no one will, to love them in settings no one else can because they're your friends and they know you. And they're your family and they're your acquaintances and they're your neighbors and they're your coworkers. And we have loved watching you be deployed. I said it already globally. I mean, we keep... I'm always wondering what Thad's going to tell me next. He and I are going away for a training in a couple of days. I'm like, he's going to have a whole other group of people he's going to tell me are going on the field. And I'm going to both celebrate and go, let's start praying. I don't know what it's going to mean, but it's awesome. You know, we've been part of church planting this year globally. We've been part of helping significantly in the one area that we're all, many of us are contributing to with Children's Hope Chest, even to help give kind of a, a reproducible life in this Ethiopian area that nobody has had it. Like, you're doing that giving to it, it's crazy cool what's happening because you care about the world. Now, it's the same thing locally, which is one of the things, I, I wish sometimes I could bring some of our denominational leaders to tell you what they say to me. Like, they thank me, which is not fair because it should be thanking you, for the fact that we're a church that cares globally and we care here. He said, usually you get one or the other, you don't get both. But yet you guys are doing tons of things to, everything from meals, I think, I think it was like 180 people we helped with meals this year. Just personally, we had people that made them and got them to them to 
hand-to-hand, which is a thing for kids for their weekends that I think we helped feed, I think it was like 180 or something like that of kids of that, to all the families that come for food truck help. To, I wouldn't even get started with the benevolent things we give out because you give us resource to help others. And we do it intentionally to help, not just to give handouts, to both help the immediacy, but also to protect the future for these folks because you care locally. And I can't even tell you all the other things we do. And then the idea of being deployed means many of you are beginning to understand what it means to have a Frank list, which are our friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, and co- like we're beginning to even care about the people around us and learn what it means for you and I to love them through praying, we say begin with prayer, through listening, learning to hear what's going on in their lives, through just being together, we call it eating together because we all like to eat, through serving with them and having them serve us and even sharing little aspects of our own stories. So this is what I'd like to do. Any of you who have some way that you are being deployed, that you're saying I'm reaching out to these friends or these people in any way, it could be prayer, it could be anything you're doing, I just want you to stand if in some way this year you're trying to reach out to people outside of the church and your faith. Come on. Is this not amazing? I mean, this is amazing. Maybe I just need to keep telling you, this is amazing. And you know the joyful thing I go is, this, yeah. And, and, and again, if you're not doing this, I'm not saying, this is what I tell you, just start praying. Just start praying. God, show me the people and I'll pray for them. You guys can have a seat, yeah. But this is what I want you to picture. Every one of you somewhere along the way, and again and again, will help someone discover Jesus And my dream is that when we're baptizing, we keep baptizing people that you have been part of that relationship. And you're in here with us. You get to hold them down. It's so fun when you get someone who's really messy. I'm going to hold you down for a long time. (laughs) Even though it's not true and it's not right, it's really fun just to say, I'll tell you. I do this to any friend. Uh, You know, you're really a mess. It's going to hold a lot down to get this out of you. Even though it's totally contradictory theologically, it's still fun. (laughs) See, what I want us to see is God's moving. You know, we have not, it's been harder to track all of this in terms of how you actually measure and do it, but we see it. And we say more, God. We want you to move among us. And, and very simply, what we'd say is the Spirit transforms us. And the way this will grow is us telling each other, us talking about what the Spirit is doing. Now, I want to say it again. I'm not trying to have you, if you're sitting, if you sat down going, you should feel bad or you need to feel guilty now. What I hope is you hear the invitation of God going, I want more with you. And you hear the invitation of God going, I have more for you. And the people around you need you. And everywhere you go is how my presence will get there. You think you have a great purpose and having a good life and having your family be comfortable and things moving well. And I go, you have shot way too low. Jesus made you to put his presence in and transform you and have you change the world. Come on. I'm telling you, there's no better joy than that. I want to give one final reflection and have you do this with me. Um, And just consider, if you've been with us a while, I'm going to go through the series we've done and just ask, did God teach me anything and is he doing anything from what we taught this year? And and it's okay if he didn't, but it's a place for you to reflect. So if we go back last year, we started with Summer Rec. If you were here then, we talked about the idea of being deployed. It's really where we started to give this idea for you that we're sent out. So we did a whole month on that. We then moved in August to a series on giftedness where we said the Holy Spirit not only fills us to transform us, but gives each of us unique gifts. In other words, things that we do to build up the body. 
And many of you began to go in that. Life under pressure was the first thing you guys asked for. We gave you some options of what do you want us to teach on. And in the fall, we taught through conflict, because we all <laughs> know that's going on everywhere, to no help. Uh, we taught through forgiveness, because that's what you need after a conflict oftentimes. We taught through anxiety and mental illness. And you had a pretty significant response to that. We did six weeks on the role of the Holy Spirit in us, because we felt it's an unaddressed part of the Trinity, the person of the Trinity. And you actually, this again, you asked for this. We got to Christmas and we looked at the promise of Jesus coming and what it meant. We got to the new year and it was another part of what you asked for. We taught on the fray of politics and all this polarization and we walked through the life ethic from birth to death and how Jesus leads us in that. That was another place. We did Winterfest, which was basically the idea that we all hate winter and there can be joy in it. We looked at it together in marriage and in singleness and you guys really tried not to be such whiners about the winter, but we didn't get so successful on that, even with me, so I'm not. Then we moved to the seven words of Jesus. We looked at all the things he said as he approached and was on the cross. That led us to Easter, where we talked about the idea of taking off our shoes of trying and receiving and surrendering and following Jesus. And this last series we did was on the resurrecting, now the idea in Romans 8 that the Spirit changes us. I want you just to consider for a minute, did God do any work in your life? You don't have to do anything with it now, but I want you to consider it. And then what I want to do as we move ahead to the next year is I want you to take your phones out. Now, take your phones out. Also, this QR code is actually on the back of your chair or the front of your chair. And I want you to just scan it. It should take you to our, our connection card. That's what it should do. And I want to just explain it to you this way. I really want all of you to fill it out. You do have to actually put your name and all that in. Don't worry, we're not trying to get it to. But you're going to put down, we have a bunch of topics listed, and you're going to check the top five. You think, I, you just think it this way. I want you to teach these. I need this. And you can still make comments in that section. But I want all of you to fill it out because it helps us just consider what you see the needs in the coming year. Make sense? And then I want to just finish by saying, Again, the spirit transforms us, and we've got to keep telling the stories of how he's doing it. Because when I hear what he's doing in your life, it helps inspire and encourage me, and the fire gets hotter in the same way back and forth. Now, I want to invite you to stand. We're going to worship to close out our time. And I want to pray for us as we do this together. So, Lord, I'm asking, uh, I'm asking that skepticism would fall away. We wouldn't go, oh, you moved, but I don't think that was you. So I pray for a generous gratitude that we can look back and see where you're moving and be thankful. I pray gratitude will increase in us. And I do pray that we would be awakened to your transforming power. And Lord, I'm asking that you'd move in us individually and together. And I do pray for in, in a spirit of kindness and gentleness, not of performing or transaction, but knowing that we're loved as your sons and daughters. So even as we sing, God, heighten our awareness of who you are and what you're doing in us. And we say we need you. I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to worship together. And then we're going to celebrate communion too.
All my words fall short. I've got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs as I often do. Every song. church initially in many churches it's called the Eucharist which means Thanksgiving communion is the centering act of the church it's where we are reminded that it's Jesus that gives himself to us and for us that it's his very presence that we receive that changes us we want you to know communion this wonderful sacred activity is open to anybody who wants to respond and engage if you didn't get a cup that has the drink and the bread in it next time you come do it because we do this every week on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. He said, this is my body given for you. When you take of it, you remember him, and you also are reminded and given grace that he lives in you. Let's take of the bread. In the same way Jesus took the cup, he said, this is a new cup for the forgiveness of sins. And when you take it, you're reminded and renewed in my forgiveness but a cup is something to be shared. A cup is a shared destiny, and you're not just to receive it, you're to be remembered that his spirit fills you to be deployed, that others would discover it as well. Let's take of the cup. And then even as we give exclamation by singing this song, by inviting and asking God to awaken us, in a sense, to the gratitude of who he is, let's stand together and worship as we close out our time.
grab a quick seat. We have a new sermon series actually starting next week, so I just want you to turn your eyes to the screen real quick and watch this quick promo. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. So next week, we'll take the following three weeks and look particularly at Jesus in the wilderness and what that means for each of us. And we all know temptation is there for all of us in many ways, true? It just is, and we want to be helped and changed in the midst of all of that. Now, after a great time of celebrating what God is doing and how his spirit is transforming, the best thing to do is eat hot dogs. Yep, that's where we're going. Let me have you stand. I want to give you a blessing. I promise I will not float because I'm not Jesus. So I'd tell you that for no reason. May the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, continually fill you with his spirit. 
<laughs> may you become increasingly aware of the Spirit's presence in your life. May you receive transforming power. And may you be trained and transformed by it. That you would be deployed to be his hands and feet to the 